Welcome to the Forgiven Radio Broadcast, a ministry of Northeast Baptist Church of Danbury. We're honored to share with you a message from God's Word that is sure to be a help and a blessing. Here's our pastor, Joe Vasek. We've all seen advertisements that use a before and after picture to sell a product. Somebody's selling a diet plan. They show you a picture of what somebody looked like before they went on the diet and another picture of what they look like after the diet. The guy in the picture before is a big fat guy with his gut hanging over his pants. The guy in the after picture is wearing a pair of pants that's about 15 sizes too big for him. He's holding his waist of his pants way out here, you know. You look at the picture and you say, did he really lose weight or did he just buy some bigger pants? Or is that even the same guy? You've seen before and after ads for teeth whitening, for hair restoration, for home remodeling, for auto body repair, for all kinds of products and services. Maybe one reason it's such a common advertising method is this very effective way of letting you see the difference that a product can make. Well, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture right now that is God's before and after picture. It gives us a look at what a person is like before he meets Jesus Christ and then at what he is like after he meets Jesus Christ. And you can count on it, this is an authentic before and after picture. If you have your Bible, you want to follow along, you can turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, then you can just listen. I'll be reading every word of Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 7. Here it is. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, the first half of what I just read to you is the before picture. If you know Jesus Christ, then the first half of what we just read is what you were before you met Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then the first half of what we just read is what you are right now. All right, let's go through it. It says that before Jesus, I was dead. Your life before Jesus was characterized by death. No life, no purpose, no direction, no joy, no satisfaction, no fulfillment, hopelessness, barrenness, emptiness, death. Without Jesus, you're living a life of spiritual deadness. And that's why when people say, something's missing, there's just a void inside, there's an emptiness inside, that's because without Jesus, you're living in death. But it goes on to say that you were in trespasses and sins. Do you know what that means? It means that you were living in violation of God's laws, living in violation of God's laws. I remember when I was 19 years old, going to visit a teenage guy in the inner city every week, trying to get him to come to church with me. 
Most times when I went, he was out there on the corner. But one particular week, he wasn't there. So I went up into his apartment building where he lived and knocked on his door. He opened the door just a crack, and he whispered, Hey, I can't come outside. I said, Why not? He said, Because I'm hot. Well, I was pretty naive growing up in small town North Salem. I didn't know what he meant. I said, what do you mean you're hot? He said, I'm hot on the streets. I can't go out there. They've got a warrant for my arrest. Oh, that's what hot means. That really got me thinking. I'd never thought about it before. What's it like to have to live ducking from the cops? My dad had taught me that the police were the good guys. He taught me when you see a police officer, you don't run from them. You wave to them. I never imagined living where you always had to be watching out so you didn't get busted. Living in violation. But you know what? Without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're living in violation against God 24-7, 365. And before Jesus, I was dead, and I was living in violation against God. Man, what a scary thought to be living in violation against a God who could end my life at any given moment. But that's where I was. Then it also says we were following the world's path. Before Jesus, we were following the path of the world. It says, we're in in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, following the world's path. You know what that means? That means before I met Jesus, I was a sucker, just doing what the world told me to do. And before Jesus, every one of us is a sucker following the world's path. Hey, uh, what's this thing? Oh, that's, that's a joint, man. what I do with it? You smoke it. First, it'll screw up your mind, and then it'll screw up your life. Well, then, then why would I smoke it? Because that's what everybody does. Go ahead, do it, man. You sucker. You're just following the world's path. You kidding me? Hey, uh, hey what's this stuff in the bottle? Oh, that's beer. Oh, <laughs> it smells nasty. What do I do with it? Oh, you drink it, man. Well, why? Why would I drink it? Because that's what we all do. Everybody drinks it. Go ahead, man. You sucker. You're just following the world's path. Hey, you go into the ICU enough times like I have and visit that person whose body is mutilated from driving drunk. Stand up and do the funeral service like I have for the child or the teenager whose life is cut short because some murderer followed the path of the world, got drunk, and then got behind the wheel of a car. And you'll sit there and defend that trash? You're following the world's path, you sucker. You've been duped. You're in the nasty mess of sin, and you think the fool is the person who's found the remedy for the mess. But if you stay in there, you're the fool. I have a friend who was in the Marines. He was an officer at Paris Island. He used to take walks there by the water in South Carolina, and he'd see men catching crabs. They call it crabbing. He noticed they'd have a five-gallon bucket there where they'd put the crabs that they'd caught, but he noticed that the buckets didn't have lids on them. So he asked a guy, how come the buckets don't have lids? The guy said the only time a crab bucket needs a lid on it is when there's only one crab in it. If there's only one crab, he'll get out. But if there's more than one crab, they'll never get out. My friend said, that doesn't make any sense. Why not? The guy said, well, just watch. So my friend watched the bucket full of crabs. He said there was always one crab trying to reach up and climb out of the bucket. And every time one of them tried to climb out, the other crabs would reach up and pull them back down into the bucket as if to say, we're not getting out, so you're not getting out either. Of course, they didn't know they were headed to their demise. They just didn't want anybody getting out. But if they had any sense, they'd help each other out one at a time. They'd all work together to try to get everybody out. 
Buddy, that's the mess we're in. This sin-cursed world is messed up. We're in trouble. But you let somebody find the solution. You let somebody find the way out. You let somebody say, hey, I found Jesus Christ. My life has changed. And just watch the people around them pull that back down into the bucket, pull them back down into the rut saying, we're miserable. you got to be miserable too. Before Jesus, you walked according to the course of this world. And then it says that before Jesus, you followed Satan's orders. It says you walked according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. Now, friend, Satan is God's sworn enemy, and Satan is the one who is bent on hurting God by hurting you. Satan is the one who's determined to destroy your life because you are created in the image of God. And he tells you every kind of lie about God so that you reject God and do your own thing and bring your own self-destruction. Satan, your sworn enemy, and you're taking orders from him. He said, curse God, you cursed God. He said, do something stupid. So you went and did something stupid. He was coaching you before Jesus. He was coaching you all the way to eternal damnation, and you were buying it every step of the way. He held the hook and the bait, and you were swallowing it, hook, line, and sinker. Before Jesus, you followed Satan's orders. It says before Jesus, you were a child of disobedience. It says that before Jesus, you were a slave to your appetites. It says that before Jesus, you were just chasing your fantasies. It says that before Jesus, you were a child of wrath. And it ends by saying to before Jesus, you were just like everybody else. And you thought you were trying to find yourself. You thought you were carving out your own identity. But the end result is that you wound up just like everybody else. Yeah, it's amazing that the more people set out to be their own man, the more they wind up looking like one another. The more people work to express their individuality, the more they wind up looking like the crowd. But they're so blinded that they don't even recognize that they're not trying to express their individuality. They're rebelling against the God who loves them and wants to save them. Now, that's the tragic picture of you and me before we met Jesus Christ. Listen to the next two words in this passage. But God. But God. See, everything changed when God stepped in. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, friend. The best thing that can happen to you is for God to step into your life right this minute. Maybe he would if you'd ask him. But you see, I was dead, but God stepped in. I was in violation, but God stepped in. I was duped by the world, but God stepped in. I was following Satan's orders, but God stepped in. I was a child of disobedience, but God stepped in. I was a slave to my appetites, but God stepped in. I was chasing my fantasies, but God stepped in. I was a child of wrath, but God stepped in. I was just like everybody else, but God stepped in. Hey, my before picture looked mighty bleak, but God stepped in. But God. And then after those two words, we have the after picture. The first thing we see in the after picture is God's passion for us. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. God loved me with a great love. Now, it would revolutionize your life if you could ever understand and believe that great love with which God loves you. And God doesn't have to use adjectives to describe his love. God's love is awesome just as it is. 
He doesn't have to say anything else but that he loves you, and that ought to be enough. That's life-changing right there. But God says, I want you to understand the greatness of my passion for you personally. You, my friend, you listening to me right now, God says, I love you with a love that is passionate. He says, I love you with a great love. A great love. That's how God chooses to describe his love. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, he didn't say God, who is rich in mercy because he loved us. If he did, that'd be great. That'd be enough. But he said, I want you to understand God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. His great love. No, wait. Do you know what God says about his own creation? If you went back to Genesis chapter 1 and you read the account of how God created the world and everything in it, every day God stepped back and he looked at his creation. And the Bible says he looked at it and said, that's good. God created the Rocky Mountains and he said, that's good. God created the mighty ocean and he said, that's good. God created the amazing animal kingdom. And he looked at it and said, that's good. But about his love, God says, I have loved you with a great love. God has a passion for you. God is passionate in his feelings for you. He not only knows your name, he knows your circumstances right now. Friend, he knows your dreams. He knows your hurts. He knows your fears. He knows your heartaches. He knows what makes you cry yourself to sleep at night. God knows where you need to go. He knows how to get you there, and he wants to take you there. God has a passionate love for you. God has a great love, a passionate love for you, and everything he does concerning you is to satisfy his great love for you. Well, notice not only his passion for you, but his pardon for you. It says, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us. That means he's given us life. He hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. The only way we could be given eternal life was for Jesus to die in our place, to satisfy the holiness and the justice of God Almighty. And that means that you and I were the cause for Jesus' death. Oh, Jesus laid down his life, but he had to lay down his life if we were going to be forgiven and receive eternal life. We were the cause of his death. But in spite of the fact that I rebelled against my creator and I caused the death of his only begotten son, in spite of that, he has completely pardoned me. He's forgiven me. He has given me everlasting life. God stepped in and loved me, and God stepped in and pardoned me. But wait, he's not through yet. It says he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't say that he's going to do that someday. It says that it's done now. My citizenship is in heaven now. God is my father now. I have access to God's throne now. I'm accepted in him now. I'm one of his own now. He has made us sit together in heavenly places. He has prepared for me. God is a place for me at his side that no one else could fill but me. I want to fill that place every day. God is a place for me at his table that no one else can fill but me, and I want to fill that place every day. God is a place for me in his heart that no one else can fill but me. Friend, I want to fill that place every day because God has prepared for me. Hey, that's the after picture. 
God's passion for you, God's pardon for you, God's preparation for you. Isn't that awesome? But it's still not over. Listen to verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's in the future. Hey, this sin-cursed world isn't the main thing. This temporary life isn't the main thing. Heaven's not an afterthought. It's the main thing. Heaven's not an afterlife. It's the main thing. There's a new heaven and a new earth God's prepared for us. And it's so beyond words. It's so beyond our ability to comprehend it that God says it can't even be described. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, listen to that again. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You know what? That's not even primarily talking about heaven. It's telling us that when God prepares something for his people, It's like something you've never seen. It's like something you've never heard of. It's so great you can't even imagine it. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says that he is preparing a place for those who come to the Father by him. He's preparing a place for us. And that means that the place that he's preparing for us, you've never seen anything like it. You've never heard anything like it. You can't even imagine how awesome it is. It's indescribable. When the apostle Paul was preaching in a certain place, the people of the city hated his preaching so much that they came out and threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. Why did they hate his preaching? Well, they were still in the before picture. They were still in the crab bucket. They stoned him and left him for dead. While Paul lay there unconscious, God took him on a tour of heaven. God said, Paul, you've endured so much for my gospel. Let me give you some incentive. Let me give you some motivation to keep you going. Paul wrote that he was amazed and astonished at what he saw. And then it was time to go back. Before he came back, God said, now, Paul, don't tell anybody what you saw. Paul later on wrote the book of 2 Corinthians where he told of that experience, and he said, it's not lawful for me to tell you what I saw. You know, it's like one of those commercials where they say, our prices are so low, we're not allowed to tell them on the air. Paul said, what I saw was so amazing, God said, I can't let you try to describe it because there's no way to describe it in a way that people will comprehend how awesome it is. We all know the Bible says that heaven has streets of gold. Do you know why God said that? Because he wanted us to know the thing that we sell our souls for on this earth. They use it for pavement up there. They walk on it. We can't even begin to comprehend what an unbelievable place heaven is. That's God's plans for us. Listen again. That in the ages to come, he did all that so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There's some good things coming for God's people. The before picture is tragic. It's ugly. But the after picture, the picture of how things are after God steps in, God's passion for us, God's pardon for us, God's preparation for us, and God's plan for us, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. It's literally out of this world. It makes me want to stop right here and say, whoo, glory to God, God is good. Hey, You know somebody who's been trying to tell you how great it is to know Jesus Christ. You're in the before picture. They're living in the after picture. They've pleaded with you to receive Jesus Christ because they know a love that you don't know. 
They know a peace that you don't know. They know a joy that you don't know. Who is it? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your brother, your sister. Maybe it's your husband or your wife who's not the same person that you married because they were changed when God stepped in. Maybe it's your praying mother who's been after you for years to receive Jesus Christ. She wants you to have what she has. Would you take a good look at the before picture versus the after picture and then let Jesus have your heart? If you could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see The miracle of love that took me And it's sweet And made me what I am today Just an old sinner Saved by grace
Aren't you tired of walking according to the course of this world? Aren't you tired of taking orders from your sworn enemy? Aren't you tired of chasing empty fantasies? Would you see yourself today as God sees you? Your loving creator says that you have sinned against him. You've rebelled against him. His justice says that you're condemned because of your rebellion. But God wants to give you the opportunity to turn from your sin and believe on him. He's made the way for you to do that. Jesus Christ, God himself in a human body, laid down his life as your substitute. He was sacrificed for you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins and move from the before picture to the after picture. Will you make that move right now? If that's what you want to do, go ahead and tell God for yourself. Tell him something like this, Dear God, I know that I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so grateful that you died in my place. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Dear Jesus, right now, I'm turning from my rebellion against you, and I'm receiving you as my Lord and Savior. I'm trusting Jesus Christ to be my Savior to take me to heaven. Oh, thank you for saving me, and please help me to live like a Christian. Amen. Did you make that decision today? I hope you did. God has great things prepared for you. Let him take you. We're so glad that you tuned in today. We pray that the message from God's word helps you start your week off right. If you have any questions or comments about today's program, or if you or someone you know needs prayer, please email us at forgiven at nbcdanbury.org. Or call the church office at 203-798-7088. Our church is located at 101 East Pembroke Road in Danbury. We'd love for you to worship with us Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. You'll feel right at home as we enjoy God's love together. We look forward to meeting with you again right here next Sunday morning at 7 o'clock. God bless you and have a great week. I am the son. I stand here for you. My sins have been.